Amen and amen. Should we give it up for everybody watching online right now? We have thousands of people joining us all over the globe. We're excited that you joined us as well. And something I'm going to add that I forgot to even mention today is this. We want to encourage you and give you the word of God to bless you today. But you, you can have that more than just on a Sunday morning. Like you can have that later today. You can have it tomorrow and the next day. Because we, church just... This is the huddle. I mean, church happens when you leave here. Understand that. So what I'm saying is on our social media, on, on our platforms, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, I, I want to invite you to, to like and subscribe to those platforms. Like, we will bless you all week. You will, like online, many of you have already done it. That's how you're watching. But even if you haven't done it, subscribe on YouTube, like on Facebook, like, like on Instagram. We want to bless you all week. I don't know about you, but I get to Wednesday and I need a blessing. I need a word. I need an encouragement. And we will give it to you. So, so do that so we can continually love you in that way. How many of you know something? How many of you know that when you, when you buy something a lot of times, whether it's a car or let's say a phone, we all probably got phones. When you buy a phone, it, it's programmed, right? It's pre-programmed. It has default settings. Like, like when, when I bought a phone, like Siri, you know, the little tiny person that's in your phone that talks to you? Siri, uh, when I bought her, she was set to speak American, the, the American accent, because I live in America. Yours probably was too. Well, I changed it because I wanted to travel to Australia, you know, in my head anyway. So I changed it to Australian Siri, and now she talks to me, and she guides me through the outback of Omaha. And anyway, so, but, but preparing for this message, you know what I did? I changed it to Irish Siri. There's an Irish Siri, because I'm a wee bit Irish, Ryan, right? And a wee bit weirdish, too. So, but it, it's awesome. But they come pre-programmed uh, just like we do. Just like you do and I do. Like, you've been pre-programmed. You have default settings. You have, um, well, how can I say it? Canned or automatic responses. And you may not even know what they are. You may not even, but your family probably does. Your family probably knows. Your friends probably know. They could tell you. Like, like Ava, she told me this past week, Ava's like, Dad, I can tell when you're getting mad. And I said, well, I said, what do you mean you can tell when I'm getting mad? She goes, you do that thing with your mouth. I said, what are you, what are you talking about, the thing with my mouth? She's like, you're, you, you, you do like this, and then your lip gets real skinny up top. I'm like, what? my God, that's weird. Okay, so I'm going to start wearing a mask so you can't tell it's coming, Ava. So I, I don't, she knows my tell when it comes to getting angry right? So you, you have default settings when it comes to um, how you're pre-programmed. And some of you, actually for a lot of us, our default isn't great. Like our knee-jerk reaction isn't a good one a lot of times. A lot of times it's, it's, it's anger, right? It's, it's judgment. It's suspicion. Parents, a lot of times our knee-jerk or program response is what? No. The answer is no. You don't even need to ask the question. The answer is no. And then my son Jake will say, well, Dad, I was going to ask, but I had to go to school. So I guess you're saying no. No, Jake. You, yes. You have to. Okay. No. So we have programmed responses. What if, um, what if God could change that? Like, what if God could, you could say, flip the script and change the way that you respond? And some of you, you don't even know how you respond because it's so natural, but God's going to show you. Can we be reprogrammed? That's the question I pose for us today. I'll give you the answer without even making you answer it. Yes. Yes, you can. The video that you watched of people getting baptized, those are people saying that the default settings are changing. Like, I was one way. I had old instincts. But now I'm made a new way, and God's reprogramming me with new instincts. This is what God can do. This is why one of the most famous scriptures that go along with baptism is 1 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone, say anyone, 
anyone means everyone. Anyone who belongs to Jesus has become a new person. They've been reprogrammed. Like the defaults have been changed. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. That, that sounds so good, but, it, but, it's, but it's so not easy, is it? How many of you know that you're like, you, maybe you've been saved and you've been baptized and you're like, but I still have these old, I'm still getting angry and I'm still doing this, I'm still doing that. I'm telling you, there's a way that that can change and it starts today. Understand something. New, people think new life begins, perfect life begins when I go to heaven. No, no, no. New life begins when you surrender your life to Christ. That's when new life begins. The moment you call on the name of Jesus Christ, you, you can start living a new life. It, changes the way, it can change the way you speak. It can change the way you act. Change the way you react. The way you respond. It can happen. I'll give you some, some theological terms to help you with this. Um, these are big words too, so just be ready. Uh, justification is, is what happens when you're saved. You've been justified. That's the theological term. Justification means that you've called on the name of Jesus you, you believe in him. You've asked him to come into you and make you new and forgive your sins. When you do that, you've been justified before God. He, he justifies you. You have been made right, right? That's what justification is. Sanctification, say sanctification. That's a big word. Sanctification, what that means is you're growing more like Jesus. It means you're growing in your faith. That's all it means. The, the Latin word sanctus uh, literally means holy. So sanctification means that I'm just... I'm just, I'm just being reprogrammed. I, another thing's been reprogrammed. Another thing's been reprogrammed. That's what it means. And sanctification, this process of becoming more like Jesus, it's like never ending. But, but it can stall. And it can, it, you, can, you can just stop in that and not grow if you choose to. The Holy Spirit wants to grow you. But it's not just up to the Holy Spirit. It's up to us as well. We have to cooperate with those settings to be reprogrammed right? And we want to be made new. You do and I do. Like a month and a half ago, we were declaring it, weren't we? How are the New Year's resolutions going? Good? We laugh because we know they're not good, right? I'm still get, trying to get to the gym and it's February what? Okay, so I'm telling you, but we declare it. It's like, this is the year. This is the year of the Lord's favor in my life. This is the year of increase. This is the year of, 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 of God's glory all over me. This is the year everything changes, right? New year, new me. I, I'm losing weight. I'm paying off debt. I'm done binging on Netflix. I'm going to instead open the word of the Lord. Seven minutes later, I am on my couch eating a bowl of ice cream the size of my head and re-upping subscriptions to Netflix, Hulu, Disney, and something called Paramount because I want to watch Yellowstone, okay? So you've been there. I've been there. This is the battle of the old instinct versus a new response. This is the grind that we're in day in and day out. And we get triggered. And when you're triggered by something, anybody in addiction or 12-step, which should be all of us if we're honest, um, you hear the word trigger and it sets you off. And a trigger can all cause you to go, to go to the old default instead of a response, which is when you're made new. It, it, God today wants you to flip the script. God wants us to flip the script when it comes to our response <laughs> the topic we're looking at today, this is going to be good. And some of you are like, this doesn't relate to me. Well, we'll see. We'll see. The topic we're looking at is judgment. Say judgment. Um, I'm going to ask a question. Online, you participate as well. Now, I, as church, I'm going to be up front. I'm going to ask this question. When I ask it, do not look around. 
Do not look at your neighbor. God, husbands, don't look at your wives. Don't, don't nudge your wives. Don't point at your wife. You, it's over if you do. Okay, just, just look straight ahead. Online, you, you better be safe too. Look straight ahead. Hand raise emoji if it applies to you. In the room, just raise your hand if it applies to you. So here's the question. How many here know somebody who's a bit judgy? Someone who's a bit judgmental. If you, can you think of anybody in your life? Look straight ahead, look straight ahead, good. You're being very, obedient. okay, yeah, we all, not all, but some of us know people that are judgment. Let me ask you another question. How many here would say that you're judgy? That you're just, okay, wow, this is an honest church. That's good, well, kind of, but anyway, so, but a lot of you, when I asked that question, you know what you thought? Me? Judge? I'm not judgmental. I, that's not who I am. Okay, Really? Let me ask you another question. So, so you haven't, in the past, they say 15 minutes, like, you haven't judged anything. Nothing? You! So, one of the, nothing. You haven't, you haven't, you haven't, like, you didn't think something like, what the crap? Like, you, haven't, you didn't turn to your neighbor and be like, what the crap is he wearing? You didn't say that. You didn't think that. You are judgy. I'm telling you, you are judgy. And if you're saying no, then you're also a liar. I mean, that's even what, you are so judgmental. My gosh, you don't like my cape? You got a problem with it? I got to tell you a funny story. <laughs> you, some of you are like, the pastor's lost his freaking mind. Okay, yeah, so Jake, <laughs> Jake, remember when I tried it on, uh, like Wednesday? Jake's like, Dad, why are you wearing mom's sweater? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Jake, this is not mom's sweater. I said, you don't understand the fashion mogul that your dad is. Do you? And then he's like, Dad, I really don't care, but just don't wear that when my friends are home. I'm like, I can't make any promises. I can't make it. I'm going to take it off because you guys can't hear a word I'm saying unless this thing is off. So here's the... <laughs> there it is. You. So, so now here's the other problem. Now you're turning to your neighbor. The pastor has a tattoo. Now I see, I can't win. If I took off my shirt, you would judge the six-pack. That's right under here, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so we are judgy, right? You see somebody singing on some singing show and you're like, I could sing better than that person. No, you could not. Well, but my mom said, I, your mom lied, okay? That's what moms say. You could, uh, politics. Boy, that's hot right now, right? Do you judge, you voted for that person? You voted yes on that amendment? How could you do that? You, masks, okay, let's get real. You, you wear a mask? Oh, you're a fear monger. You don't wear a mask? You're a super spreader. You got the vaccine? Oh my, you have the mark of the beast. You're going to hell, right? I mean, we're just, you don't have the vaccine? Oh my gosh, you don't care about, you don't care about the health of others, right? So we are so bad, we are very judgmental if, we, if we're honest. Ladies, you could see somebody that looks like your ex-husband and they get arrested, you don't even know what it's about, and you're like, guilty, that guy's guilty, hang him, you know, it's, it don't matter. It's just he reminds you of somebody. We, we, here's the problem with judgment. Judgment assumes something. Judgment assumes that I'm right and you're wrong. That's the first thing it does. When we judge others, we're assuming that I'm right and you're wrong. Actually, I'll, I'll up the ante. Judgment assumes... <laughs> Judge, I'm just thinking about that stupid cave. Judgment assumes, <laughs> judgment assumes that that I'm I'm not only right, but I'm better, doesn't it? It, it, it kind of if if I'm just I just want us to be honest with ourselves today. 
Judgment assumes that I'm right and I'm better. Judgment assumes that I know what's best. And, and, the, and here's the reality. I don't. And neither do you. Really. If we're honest. But judgment assumes we do. There's one that knows what's best. His name's Jesus. What if I told you, I'm going to preach out of the... Um, Matthew, the first gospel, the first book of the New Testament. In Matthew, Jesus' first sermon that he ever taught that we see recorded is something that you might be familiar with. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, disclaimer, you better never say that, gosh, the pastor preaches long messages. Gosh, church is really long. Man, don't, for one, you're judging. Number two, this Sermon on the Mount, it lasted days, days. Just, that makes me want to lock you in here and have a sleepover with you. I mean, days we could be preaching. It'd be so fun. Three days, I believe, is what they think it lasted. Matthew 5 through Matthew 7 records the Sermon on the Mount. You know how Jesus closes it? Talking about judgment. That, that's how big it is. Here's what he said. I'm preaching out of uh, Matthew 7, verse 1. Jesus speaking. <laughs> Jesus comes right out the gate. Do not judge others. Okay, it does not get any more clear than that. And you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. Your standard that you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Okay, it, Jesus is getting real. But, I, but, but you don't understand, I'm just trying to help people. They, they need my opinion. I mean, the person that I'm responding to on social media that I've never met and don't know, they need to hear what I think about what they're saying, right? We know that. God don't get that. Here's what we're missing when we judge. You know what's missing? God. When you judge in and of yourself, God's missing from the equation. And if he's missing, we're in trouble. There's one God. And I'll humble us all right now. You're not him. I'm not him. And, and you might think, well, well when, I'm, when I'm speaking into someone's life, I give them scripture. Okay, that might even be worse. I'm just saying that because here's the thing. Have you noticed it's easier to use the Bible as a window to judge somebody else as opposed to a mirror to look at your own life? I mean, don't you think? I've been guilty of it. I don't know about you. I can speak about me. I've been guilty of it. Well, the Bible says this. The Bible says that. <laughs> just don't look about what... And here's the thing about when we judge others. Many times when we judge others or, or blame others, the, the number one thing that you're going to look at their life about is the thing that you struggle with. It's so interesting that when you struggle with something and something is your problem, you'll find that fault in somebody else. I find the fault in you, but I don't see it myself. Remember the mirror versus the window? If we're honest, we, we do that. I, how did I write it down? Um... Yeah, our traits and bad habits are what we judge most in others. We magnify the faults of others while ignoring the same thing in our lives. Man. Jesus, verse 3. It's, it's like Jesus, it's like he knew it. Go figure, he created us. And why worry, Jesus speaking, why worry about the little tiny speck, the issue in your friend's life, the speck in their eye, as Jesus says, when you've got a huge redwood hanging out the side of your face, right? You've got a log in your eye and you're worried about the speck in their eye. You're calling them out when you're doing the exact same thing behind closed doors. Jesus continues, how, how, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that little tiny little issue that I keep pointing out to you. Let me keep doing that in their eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye. And then he uses the word that means play actor. Hypocrite. 
hypocrite. First, you get rid of that log in your own eye. You worry about what you're doing. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. So what Jesus says there at the end, he kind of says that, okay, this scripture that we just got, it's not some blanket statement that you can't speak into someone's life, but, but it does mean that you can't judge. So, so I think there's a difference between judgment and discernment. So let's talk about it for a second. Judgment, because they're different, right? Discernment is like, it's like, if you're being discerning, you're making wise choices, or you're trying to. It's like, you know, we're, you and I were talking about marriage. I mean, we met like a week ago on Tinder. I don't know your last name. Maybe we should just hold off a week or two, right? That's being discerning. Ava, when you and I are driving to school, oh my gosh, I don't know if anybody else has issues driving to school. We seem to. So something's changed at the school, and the lines are really long for the cars. Two lines, like 14 miles long, I think. I don't know. And we're, we just wait to get into the, the, the parking lot to, you know, go to school in the morning. And there's one, I mean, we could, there's, there's a couple remedies. One is that we get up earlier, but we prefer plan B, right? So anyway, so we don't like plan A. So plan B is uh, we notice that when we're waiting in line at school to get Ava into her classes on time, that cars can do a little U-turn and go in the back way. And I'm like, ah, that's interesting. I like that. And now there's a no U-turn sign, but we believe it's more of a suggestion than a rule. I don't know. So, uh, so, so I'm like, okay, that shaved about 15 minutes off their time. That was pretty neat. So Ava and I, we did that little trick, didn't we? And we, we, we've been doing it almost every since. Until the one day I picked Ava up from school. And Ava's like, dad. I said, I ask her the same question all the time. What do I say? How was your day? And what do you always say? What? No, you say good. <laughs> we didn't rehearse this. So she always says good. And I say, what was good about it? So anyway, so um, she didn't say that that day, did you? Remember? I picked you up and I said, hey, Ava, how's your day? She's like, dad, you can't do the U-turn anymore. And I'm like, what? what? I said, what happened? She said, dad, after you dropped me off, like the police officer, like they have a cop that's on site all the time. Things are different though. They're different now. Like when I was in high school, we had a janitor. He was like the security guard, the cop. He was everything. And he wasn't good at any of it. So, but anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so, so you have this police officer that's there. And the police officer stopped you, didn't he? After I took off. Like, dad was gone. Room! And he's like, hey. And he got on her. He was, she said, he was mad, dad. And, and then he asked me, who dropped you off? And my first thought was, you said your mom, right? I mean, I was just, you didn't say dad, right? She said her dad, so it threw me under the bus. But uh, after that, now we have to be more discerning, don't we? We've got to kind of look around. I mean, we're just, we're trying to time it just right. It's hard. So <laughs> discerning. So here's, here's what I would say. Discernment, if I could, yeah, there it is. There it is. Discernment truly wants to help. Discernment truly wants to help. Um, judgment not so much. Judgment wants to give an opinion with no real desire to help. That's the difference. When you're judging somebody else, you, you want to give an opinion, and then, but you have really no desire to help them. You'd like, you'd like to point stuff out and show them this or that, but no desire to help. I wrote down many times it's emotional, it's irrational, and it's self-seeking. When you judge others, it can be all three of those things. But again, so when do we speak into somebody's life? You do it, you discern to speak into someone's life. Um, but there's criteria that you should use. Uh, life groups are small groups that meet at Meadows Church. Um, we meet during the week on almost every night of the week. And I cannot, I cannot implore you and beg you enough to check a life group out. Because if, because if you don't have people speaking into your life on a in a loving, discerning way, you will never live your purpose. You won't. It, you will not do it. 
There's, there's, you got logs in your eye, that, and they blind you to what you don't see. You have default reactions that you react to you don't even know you're doing. And if no one ever lovingly tells you, you will keep living that way, and you will never live your purpose. That's why life groups are critical in our church. So with that said, I'll tell you this. For, for someone to discerningly, discerningly speak into my life, there's criteria. I think I've shared this, but it's been a, probably a couple years. I, I, I say they have to love Jesus, right? You got to love Jesus first and foremost. You have to love Jesus, love the church, and then love me. In that order, I would say. And you might say, okay, I get the Jesus thing, but the church? Oh, that's because you're a pastor. No, no, no. It's because I love the Lord. It's because I'm a Christian. The, the moment you separate Jesus from the church, you, you have gone outside the line of, of, of Christianity and theology. You have. The moment you say, well, I get the love Jesus part, but, but the church this, the church that, the church hurt me. The, okay, I get people in the church have done that. But the, but the local church, I mean, and it's not perfect. I mean, as soon as I showed up, that was all screwed up. So, but to separate Jesus and the church is impossible. Do you know why? Because they're one. The Bible says that Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride. And I'm so bold about this because I was the guy that said, I don't need the church. I was so mistaken. I was so, I was so off base. I was so unbiblical. It, it was horrible. But, but I get it. People get hurt. They don't get it. But they have to love Jesus, love the church, and love me in that order. And, and number four, I mean, if they love the cowboys, they can speak almost anything into my life and I'll listen. Give it to me. Come on, give it. Yeah, so, I mean, there's always exemptions in everybody. So, but... But if, if people love me in that way, and the reason I tell you that is because you, you might be thinking right now, I got, I got friends that speak into my life. Oh, my best friend does this. And oh, my old, my, my, you know, the friend I grew up with does that. My husband or my wife. Listen, if they're not loving Jesus, loving the church and loving you in that order, I, you might be getting their opinion and you don't want someone's opinion. Not if it's not connected to the word of God or, or, or Jesus. You don't want it. Do you know why? It, it's wicked. And, and that, doesn't, that sounds kind of harsh, but, but we're, we're on the heels of Valentine's Day. If someone says, I want to give you my heart, you probably don't want it if it's not connected to Jesus and his church because the heart in and of itself is wicked. Not because I said it, the word of God says it. Jeremiah, he, he says, the human heart is the most de deceitful of all things. It is that, is that deceitful and that, that sinful. It's desperately wicked. Jeremiah is saying the, the heart of every problem is a problem of the heart. The heart of every problem is a problem in our heart. So unless we're connected to something else that is changing defaults, changing our heart, changing our responses, we're giving opinions based on what we think is right. That's a scary place to be. And there's people that are getting divorced based on advice from counselors that are not connected to the word of God. There's people that are, that are making horrible decisions, um, putting things in their body, like, like narcotics or alcohol, whatever it is, or, or doing things to themselves. One well, of my friends said it's okay. <laughs> Your friend is as lost as anybody. So I, that's why I'm telling you, just for someone to speak discernly into your life, the heart's wicked. And here's what I want you to know. Here's how wicked the heart is. You've probably been guilty of this, and I have too. You know how we judge ourselves? We judge ourselves based on our intentions. Well, I meant to do that. Well, I was going to do that. Well, I, I was set up to do that, or I wrote it down, but this happened. We judge ourselves. You can put it up based on our intentions. We judge other people by their actions. Don't, if we're honest, think about that for a second. I, I, oh, I this, I that. You know, Ava, you're kind of the... You're kind of my illustration today. But Ava knows we're having... I always clear it with my family because if you don't clear the stories with your family, you won't have a family to go home to. I'm just telling you, anybody that's going to go into ministry. So 
Ava, I told the story before, but it happened again this last week of <laughs> at the Gannon household, wearing shoes in the house, that's kind of like the big topic. So we're not supposed to wear shoes in the house, but Ava and I probably break the rule the most. Fair? Ava's not really shaking. She, it's, trust me, it's, it's Ava and I. So, um, but remember my intent, I, I judge myself based on my intentions, but I want to judge other people based on their actions. So Ava was probably two weeks ago, you were on the stairs and it, the shoe thing, shoe gate, I call it shoe gate in our house. It's, it's shoe gate. It's just some big controversy going on. Like one time you were running up the stairs. This was a while ago. She's running up the stairs. She just forgot something. She said, oh, dad, I just got to run up and grab my keys or something. I said, Ava, take off the shoes. And she's in a hurry. She's like, dad, I don't have time. I said, Ava, shoes off. So you know what she did instead of taking her shoes off? She gets down on her hands and knees and crawls. Remember that? That's what we do in our house. We got issues. So she crawls up and then she, anyway. So anyway, so this last week or, or two weeks ago, I said, Ava, she's standing on the stairs with shoes on. I said, Ava, get your shoes off. And, and, and I'm getting on her. And of course, well, there I am, <laughs> sitting in the recliner with what? My shoes on. She's like, Dad, look at you, hypocrite. You know, she's like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, hey, but here I am, my intentions. My, my feet were up because it was a recliner. So I'm like, my feet aren't touching. I mean, how old are you, Monty? My feet aren't touching the floor. Uh, but, but you did have to walk to get there, right? Yes, but, but my intentions. So we judge ourselves based on intentions, but we judge others based on their action. My point to you today is this. What if we flip the script? What if starting today and going forward, we up the ante in our own lives? What if we start looking at our own lives by what we do because we're held to a higher standard, and, and, but, we are, but, but we give grace to others? What if we judge ourselves based on our actions and we judge others based on their intention? Well, that's not fair. It, this, this is nothing about fair. God's not fair. I'll show you that later. What if we held ourselves at Meadows Church to such a high standard? I will judge my life based on what I do because that's, what, that's right. But you, you didn't mean to do that. You know what? You, the way you responded to me, you don't normally talk that way. That's not you. You know what? I forgive you. I, I'll, I'll judge you or discern you based on your intention. Oh, I came across harshly there, you think. I don't know if I did, but because you think I did and that's your perception... I want, to, I want to apologize. I'm sorry. Even though I don't really think I am wrong, you perceive it as wrong. So I'm going to apologize. That, my friends, is, is giving someone what we would say in the world, the benefit of the doubt. That's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus. We hold ourselves to a higher standard. How different would the world look if we came at people with, with instead of a posture of judgment, a posture of grace? That would be beautiful. You know what grace is, right? Grace is saying, man, you, you, you were wrong, and you do have your shoes on, and you did come across rude, but you know what? It's okay. I'll give you a second chance. Um, I'll give you a pass. In the golf world, we'd say, I'd give you a mulligan. You give, you, you just, it's not what the world does. I wrote it down. Grace is giving someone what the world says they don't deserve. That's Grace. Because the world's quick to tell you what you deserve for what you did, for what you posted, for what you said. And boy, they'll hold you to it until the day that you die. And then they'll still talk about it after you're dead. But what we do at this church is God calls us to a higher standard. And we don't judge that way. We, we give grace. It doesn't mean that we let you off the hook. You'll see that. But we give grace in such a loving way. Meadows, we say a lot of things. We love to say, welcome home. 
We love to say the best is yet to come. We love to say that it's okay to not be okay. Do you know what else we love to say? And I love saying this more and more all the time. Ask anybody, ask any of our leaders. We always say love assumes the best. God, if you could leave with one thing, leave with that. Love assumes the best. I just assume the best in you. Until I know otherwise, until it's a fact in front of my face. And then even when it's a fact in front of my face, you know what I'll do? I'll judge you based on your intentions, not by your actions. That's what I'll do. Because love assumes the best. The world doesn't work that way. You know, you know, you know, you know my default reaction? I assume the worst. Right? Don't we as humans think, oh my gosh, this is going to go wrong. That's going to go wrong. Oh my God, they're probably doing that. I bet he's talking to her. I bet she texted him. I mean, we, in our head, we'll play it all out. You know what we're doing? We assume the worst. We don't know. We, none of the facts are in front of us even. We ought, that's our default. God is calling us to assume the best. It's a, I heard this story, you guys, about a lawyer. It was crazy. Like, how, you remember... Um, <laughs> Have you ever wondered how a lawyer can represent somebody that they know is guilty? Like, it's just obvious, right? It's like, they're guilty. Like, we know it, right? <coughs> OJ, right? I mean, we just, <laughs> so um, it's been a while, but we just know they're guilty. Uh, this happened. A lawyer asked a judge. This wasn't in the courtroom. It was like behind whatever, in the back quarters. He said, you know what? How can I defend someone I know is guilty? Here's what the judge said. He said, you've confused your role. You've confused your role. See, you're not the judge. You're the defense lawyer. That's what he told him. And he said, by the way, if, you're, if the person that you're representing tells you they're guilty, then by law, you have to ethically put in a guilty plea. But if they don't say that, then your role is to defend them. Your role is to assume the best, right? We don't work that way. Like, uh, because we know that a lot of people that don't admit guilt are probably still guilty. Uh, in high school, and God, if there's any high schoolers in here right now, don't, don't do what the pastor did, okay? I'll share stories that you shouldn't do. Like in high school one time, uh, speaking of uh, assuming guilt, uh, a, friend of, a friend and myself went out, uh, <laughs> a typical Saturday night in a small town, let's put it that way. And we were sharing some adult beverages that we had no business sharing, and we probably shared two, three, 17 of them. And uh, so, so towards the end of the night, uh, we get pulled over by the police officer. And uh, here's, here was the start. Of, this was the beginning of the end when I made this statement to my buddy. Cops walking up to the car, and here's what I said. It's classic Monty. I said, let me do all the talking. And my buddy, and he was driving. And, and, and my buddy's like, just shook his head. He's like, God, we're dead. And we were. It was over. So the cop gets, gets up there. And he shines a light on us, and I'm you know, just sitting there looking straight ahead and uh, praying like I've never prayed before. And then he shines a light in the back seat. And he says, gentlemen, why are there six mailboxes in the back of your car? And Monty was going to handle it. Officer, just, I kid you not, officer, we, all I know is those mailboxes were some hoodlum, somebody, but somebody knocked them down. We saw them, so we just picked them up. And we threw him in the back seat and we just thought, you know what? We will take him to the post office or something and just turn him in. Be good Samaritans, right? And the cop looks, he, he shined the light and he goes, he goes, why are your hands all dirty and kind of scraped up? And I was like, it's like he's assuming I'm guilty, right? Huh, I, I should have said, you don't know your role. See, you're not the judge. <laughs> Thank God I didn't say that. So he was assuming guilt, rightly so. But you know what? I was going to stick to my story. 
But love assumes the best. The, the judge said, you don't know, and you're not the judge. And then he said, and what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? God had every right to judge us. God has every right to judge us. God, if there's anybody who has a right to judge, it's the judge of all. Do you know what he, you know what he bestows on us? Grace. A second chance. A pass, DJ. A mulligan again in golf. That's what God says. You're good. I'll give you an opportunity. I'm going to assume the best. God, did he assume the best. The story I'm going to share with you is going to blow you away. Here's how God assumes the best. You know, he's going to send his son Jesus to die for us. Do you know what God's assuming? Everybody's going to call on the name of my, of my Lord, my son, or not his Lord, but his son. And they're going to be saved by my grace. Well, God already knew not everybody's going to do that. In fact, most won't. But you know what he did? He sent his son anyway. And he says, you know what? I'm just going to assume the best. Son, you're going to die for them all. I'm going to assume the best. They, they, many will, will come, to, come to you and many will not. When you understand the past you've been given by God, like when you've lived a life like, I'll point the finger at me. Like when I, live, when I look at the life I've lived and the things I've done and the people I've hurt and the sins I've committed, and, and, and then, then I hear God say, you get a pass. I'll let you out. You, 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 you get a second chance. It blows me away. And then he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna elevate you in a place where you actually can tell others and lead others about me. And here's what I thought. I thought about a scripture in 1 Timothy that I read with my group two weeks ago. The scripture, uh, Paul, we talk about him a lot. He wrote a lot in the New Testament. He's writing some of his last letters to a mentee, a, a guy that he's raising up to plant more churches, Timothy. Timothy was like a leader in the uh, church in Ephesus, the pastor there, in fact. And, and Paul raised Timothy up to be the next Paul, right? That's what good leaders do. They're always raising others up to take their place. If you're not raising somebody up, you're not leading. So that's what Paul did. And he raised up Timothy. And, and he tells this to Timothy. This will blow you away. This is, what, this is what hits me. Oh my God. Okay. 1 Timothy 1, 15, 16. Online, are you listening? Listen to this. If you're listening, just, just, give me, just give me a hand raise emoji. Let me know you're there. God, let me know you're with us. This is a trustworthy saying, Timothy. Everybody should accept this. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Oh my God. I love it because I know, I know what I've done. And then he says what I always think. And I am the worst of them all. Paul, you're writing. I'm the worst of them all. Like, like who's the biggest hypocrite in our household? You're looking at him. But God had mercy, grace. God gave mercy to me so that Christ Jesus could use me, me, as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of the worst. That's why I believe that I'm chosen for the role I have, is that you would see God. He chose the worst of the worst. And then others, listen to this last statement, and then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. This is why I will say, if God can save a wretch like me, what do you think he wants to do in you? 
What do you, how do you think he wants to elevate your life? Love assumes the best. He's got plans, church. Jesus Christ died for you. True statement. Jesus Christ rose for you. And when you believe it and you ask him to forgive you, I'm telling you, it is the fact that you are no longer defined by the things that you've done. No, no, no. You are now defined by the things that Jesus has done. And he's done a lot right. Jesus came to flip the script. Oh, so the gospel. He sends his son to die, assuming the best. Son, son, I hope everybody that I created will believe that you're my son. Son, I hope everybody that I created, the billions and billions and billions of people, past, present, future, will believe that I'm, that you're me, and I'm you, and that you're me in the flesh. Son, I'm gonna let you die, assuming the best. I'm God, I know the outcome, but love, which is who I am, son, I'm love. That's what God would say, because I'm love, I assume the best. Go. And Jesus, because he's love, goes. And he dies. Oh my God. A, a, a heinous death for us. And the Bible says, when you call on his name and you ask him to come into you and make you new, he will do it. And he'll forgive your sins. God, don't you want that? He gives a second, or a second chance. He gives a pass. And he gives it to you. And you can accept that online, I tell you, every week. And these aren't just words that you hear. I'm telling you, you want to flip the script in your life? You can't live, you, your defaults will never change. They'll never change if you don't have Christ in you. They won't, they can't. He's the creator of the phone, if you will, the remote. It doesn't change without him. It's impossible. That's why people get so ticked and, and frustrated. I, I'm the same jack wagon I've always, and you always will be. Unless you call on the name of the Lord who, who died for you. God, he wants to change you today. And he wants to come into you and make you new. Why would you, God, will you accept that? Just type, I choose Jesus in the comments. We'll follow up with you. We'll love you. We'll walk with you. It's just the beginning. In the room, these cards, you can mark decisions on these cards. We celebrate them every week. You want to change your default? Unless you have Christ living in you, the Holy Spirit, that's called. Unless you have that, there is no hope for you. See, I love you too much not to tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth even when it hurts. It's the greatest news in the world. Christ died for you. Call on his name. Ask him to forgive you and make you new. He'll do it. And then you can get in the, on this road to sanctification. The grind of growing in Christ, but it's a beautiful grind. It's not easy, it's beautiful. Do you know what hit me in the scripture that I read to you? A lot of it did, but when he said, well, you'll be judged like you judge. You'll be treated like you treat others. You know what it made me think about? The golden rule. Well, go figure. A few verses later, do you know the author of the golden, golden rule? It's Jesus. A few verses later, he says it. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. Matthew 7, 12. This is the essence of everything. All that is written in the law, the first five books of the Bible, all that is written in the prophets, the Old Testament, right? Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah. All that that you know, you love like you want to be loved. You, you forgive like you want to be forgiven. You give second chances like you want a second chance. 
At Meadows, we up the ante. We round up here. I'll judge you based on your intentions because I love you. You judge me based on my action, I'll take it. That's what we do. Here's the problem. I wrote this down. The presence of judgment almost always guarantees the absence of love. Don't forget that. But, and by the way, you can't judge someone and love them at the same time. The golden rule releases something in our lives. It releases the love of God in our lives and enables us to assume, assume the best, even with those people that don't like us, even with our enemies, even with those that want to hurt us. Only the love of the Father can do that. L look up here. I know something about you, even if I've never talked to you ever in your life. There's things in your life that you want the default settings to change. There's things in your life that you want to flip the script in. You can't do it alone. You have to have God in the equation. But there's things in your life that you want to change. There's things in the world that you want to see change. There's things in other people that you want to see others change. Listen to me. This is a fact upon fact upon fact. We will not change others by judging them. We will change others by loving them the same way that Jesus loves you. That's how you change the world. That's how we do it. Give him praise for 10 seconds if you believe it, if you love him, if you... God, we thank you. We love you. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to worship together in song. And after that, the prayer team's going to come up. I've really been praying hard since we launched the series with bold prayers and big dreams. One of my biggest prayers, I've shared this before, is that this church... that as soon as the worship song, number one, that you would stay and worship with us in song, and number two, this, this stage would be flooded with people so freaking desperate. Oh, change my default, Father. God, change, flip the script in me. I get angry. I get vindictive. God, I say heinous things to people in the moment, and then I feel like crap. Change that. I've hurt people. I don't assume the best. I assume the worst. God, change me. Do you know how it's going to happen? The number one of the number one ways God will flip your script, prayer. God, would you flood this place with prayer? And they don't, and, 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 and not just up here, maybe you'll pray with each other. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. The prayer room. I wish there was a line waiting for people to get in there and pray. One day I believe there will be. Father, I've read the scripture, the Sermon on the Mount, I would say thousands of times. I can't understand how it hits different every time. When Jesus was speaking to the crowd, they, they, they had never heard anything like this in their life. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Stop judging. Start loving. Stop assuming the worst. Start, start assume, love assumes the best. Stop, stop looking at your life based on your intentions and then getting on others based on their actions. Jesus says, would you flip the script? I have come to turn things upside down in this world. I am such a different kind of king and I have come to establish such a different kind of kingdom. God, help us not live for the things of the world. Help us flip the script in our heart that we would move from a posture of like pompousness and judgment 
and that we would relate to somebody and put ourselves in their shoes and understand that, I mean, I think one of the worst things I do, God, is sometimes I'll judge people and they're not even a follower. And I think I know what you would say. You would say, Monty, how would you expect somebody that doesn't have my Holy Spirit in them to act like they do? Love them. Be there for them. Do whatever you can to treat them as I would. God, there are people here today that came in with wounds and hurts. There are people that are desperate for you to flip, a script, flip the script in their life, change a default setting from judgment to grace. That's the prayer today. Today, God, help us hold ourselves to a higher standard and give people second chances and passes and mulligans and do whatever we can. Is it fair? No, fairness is I'm gonna treat you like you treated me, that's fair. You are, here's what's not fair, is that you, knowing that most people won't accept the gift that you've given, sent your son to die anyway. That's not fair. That most people wouldn't receive it, but he dies. And you said yes to it, that isn't fair. Letting a guy like me off the hook, God, the people I've hurt, the things I've done, and then, and then it gave me some sort of a platform. My God, that's disgustingly not fair. I thank you that you're not fair, but you are just and you are good and you are love. Have your way today, God. I pray that people will just, I pray we'll worship our guts out here with this last song, God. And then I pray that we'll pray our guts out to you and let you do what only you can do. We love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. He's the answer to our deepest needs. And without him, there is no chance. But with him, God, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.